0: This week's episode of the NCEA podcast is sponsored by Catapult Learning. For 45 years, Catapult Learning has partnered with Catholic schools and dioceses to provide high-quality supplemental instruction, specialized services, and customized professional development. Today, they work with more than 2,000 Catholic schools across the country to support their academic mission of providing every child with an excellent education. Visit their website today at catapultlearning.com and call 800-841-8730 for more information. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the NCEA podcast. I'm John Reyes, the Executive Director of Operational Vitality for NCEA. Welcome to this week's show. This week, we're joined by two superintendents who were new to their positions and new to superintendent leadership. Leisha Reese is the superintendent of schools in the Diocese of Raleigh, and Dr. Greg Monroe is the superintendent of schools in the Diocese of Charlotte. That's right, both dioceses in the state of North Carolina had new superintendents this year. So Leisha, Greg, uh, welcome and thank you for joining us this week. It's great to be here. Wonderful to be with you both.
1: Thank you for having us. I appreciate it.
0: Awesome. So I did a little bit of research and you guys have had really interesting paths and journeys just in education in general. And and Leisha, I'll start off with you because um, as I understand it, you had sort of a business and finance background and that was sort of the path that God led you through to get to the superintendency?
1: Yes. Um, I started off my career working with the Federal Reserve Bank. And during my tenure there, one of the things that we uh, were required to do as part of support for the community was to participate in an outreach. So I chose Junior Achievement, which teaches financial literacy to middle school students. And through that outreach discovered my love for teaching, which uh, led me to to the classroom for around 20 years uh, before I became a principal and then moved into an assistant superintendent's uh, position in the Archdiocese of Galveston, Houston.
0: Awesome. Good stuff. And and Greg, you had sort of like a circuitous path to, to get to superintendent leadership. As I understand it, you were going to be in the business field in Los Angeles. Like, that was that was your thing?
2: I did. I started working out there in business with the CSU UC school system. So it was around university yeah. life and uh, enjoyed my time out there. But As I got to know more educators, more students recognized that my calling was truly an education and looked at uh, working in the lower grades, recognizing how important that formation, those
0: foundational years are. Yeah, that's really awesome. And 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 both of you came from other dioceses and other parts of sort of diocesan leadership. As I understand it, Greg, you were in um, in Omaha and then Alicia, you had mentioned you were in Galveston, Houston. So some really vibrant, some really great sized dioceses. I, I kind of want to open this up to, uh, Greg, I'll have you answer this question first. Um, superintendent leadership is, is not something that like a lot of early career Catholic school educators aspire to. Like nobody's really sitting in the classroom going, man, I would love to be a Catholic school superintendent someday. Um, and if you are thinking that you're probably in the minority. So, so like, how did, how did the, 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 thought or the dream or the calling to superintendent leadership sort of surface for you, Greg? Right.
2: So I, I love teaching and I always see myself primarily as a, primarily as an educator. Um, but as I started my teaching career, I worked with different grade levels and different educators from around the diocese, um, recognized that there was a true need, um, to, uh, to find inspirational, aspirational leaders to, to forward the mission of the schools and church. And, um, loved working with teams, loved, uh, surrounding myself with, with, uh, good thinkers. And, uh, awesome. as we, as we move forward in those, uh, those grade levels, recognize the the good that not leadership can forward. So it's uh, something I miss being in the classroom and I love every time I get to go back in the classroom, but do enjoy, uh, working with a variety of leaders in variety of places.
0: I like that, right? So it's almost the superintendent job for you is very much teaching, but at scale, right? And your students are leaders and that's, that's really cool and I and I, and I, I will, we'll come back to explore that because I think it's important for for our listeners and you know just for Catholic school educators to sort of understand how the Catholic school superintendency is kind of a really different beast. Um Lisha for you you had been principal at a Catholic school prior to joining the CSO team in Galveston Houston and then making your way to Raleigh. So like what was that like what was that tap on the shoulder like in terms of like a hey you should look at diocesan leadership?
1: Um so I actually was approached by one of my mentors who was an yeah. associate superintendent in another diocese and she actually wrote me and said there is an opening in the archdiocese of Galveston Houston that I think your you know your your passion and your talents really align with and that was to serve schools who served primarily students who couldn't afford Catholic school education and required quite a bit of financial aid to attend our schools. So um, that is, I, I was working in Memphis in the Jubilee Schools, which also served oh, wow. students who, um, you know, financially couldn't afford to to attend Catholic schools and needed a lot of financial assistance. So um, she knew about that work and my passion for working with my school and, and my um, community. And so tapped me to say, hey, I think that this will be a good fit for your talents.
0: That's really awesome. And that tap on the shoulder is so important. Like, I think we constantly talk to leaders and that tap on the shoulder just plays such a vital role um, in really impacting the career paths for folks and really helping people to sort of discern and see that call. So you're in Raleigh now. So um, Alicia, can you tell me a little bit about the Diocese of Raleigh and, and sort of, you know, the number of schools and students and you know, kind of the the facts and figures, so to speak.
1: We have thirty schools in total. Twenty nine of those are um, diocesan and parish schools. One is an independent school. Next year, we're we'll, we're actually opening our first Cristo Rey, um, All right. or our Cristo Rey in the area. Um, so we'll be at thirty one schools, which is exciting. Um, And one of our current diocesan high schools will transition to an independent school. So we are, as you mentioned earlier, half the state. We're the eastern part of North Carolina and um, serve schools that are rural, schools that are um, within the research triangle and everywhere in between.
0: Awesome. Great stuff. Uh, And Greg, you've got 19 in the Diocese of Charlotte, right? Tell me a little bit about the Diocese of Charlotte. Absolutely. So, Alicia has the eastern half of the state. We have the western half.
2: We go up to Greensboro, out towards Asheville, Hendersonville. And uh, we have 19 schools, like you mentioned. Um, And half of those are in a consolidated school system here in Charlotte. And the other half are parochial parochial or regional schools, along with the diocesan high school. So, a variety of different options for, for parents. And we have actually put together an exploratory committee to look at opening up uh, a school as well. So it's it's so exciting to see the growth and opportunities here in North Carolina.
0: That's fantastic. And I love this idea of, hey, let, let's use this opportunity, this time in, in the life of our Catholic schools and the church to, to build out and expand in new ways. Um, so both of you have worked in two different diocesan offices, right? So Greg, you're in Omaha, you're now here in Charlotte, and Alicia, you've been in Galveston Houston, and now we're in Raleigh. Um, Greg, I want to start with you real quick. And what's a misconception that that people might have about superintendent leadership, and what's the reality?
2: Certainly. So... I don't know if people always understand how interconnected in mission we are. Yeah. Yeah. between the different schools, between the Dawson leadership, pastoral leadership, the parishes, um, really the mission of our schools and the Catholic schools office is the mission of the greater church, which is introducing that next generation to its savior. So, you know, there's really a symbiotic relationship between parishes, schools, Catholic school office that people don't always see. Sometimes they see a division. And I think partly that's due to two worlds colliding, your laity and the clergy side. So um, it's uh, something that we've tried to combat and overcome, say, look, we're all in this together, folks. We're one team. And we've been very intentional in forming and building those bridges and awareness around that shared mission.
0: Yeah, that's really awesome. And that's the hope, right? That we see Catholic schools as part of this greater mission to bring Christ and, his, and God and his people to heaven. So that's, that's, a, that's a great thing to, to clarify for, for our folks. Alicia, uh, how about you? Like, What's something you feel is a misconception that people have about superintendent leadership? And what's, what's the reality?
1: I think most people, when they hear the word superintendent, they think of the role a superintendent would play in the public sector, uh-huh. uh in public schools which is um quite different in the role of being a catholic um superintendent of school so primarily the the role that you play and the support that you offer to pastors or principals really depends upon the governance of the school which um most uh, people don't necessarily understand how that governance works. So, you know, if it's a parish school, there's one approach to how you would support that school with the pastor and the principal. If it's an independent school, there's a different level of support that's offered um, with regard to whether that's the president or, or the board. And, you know, with the diocesan school, you're in direct um, contact and um most of the time, direct supervision of a principal um, or whether it's like a limited jurisdiction board. So there's so many uh, ways that that our schools can be formed. Um, And so your role as a superintendent really depends on on um, how how the schools are structured and the support that that they need.
0: See that's really interesting, and I think understanding sort of the diversity of governance models and structures for schools does make the job of a superintendent pretty complex. And um, you know, I imagine Greg in in Charlotte, it's very much the same way. You've got sort of a number of different schools. Um, I know that you've got a, a a network of schools. You've got the Mac schools in in um, in Charlotte as well, right? That have sort of a different governance model. We do.
2: Yep. So we directly administrate those schools. So. We work with the pastors and find ways to build bridges there, but um, it has there's an economy of scale that we're able to leverage, which is helpful. Um, but sometimes, again, if you're not intentional about build, building those bridges, there can sometimes be a division that unintentionally um, or organically forms. Um, and to build off Leisha's point too, um, I, I complimenting Raleigh here. You know, it's been really neat to see the good work they're doing over there where sometimes diocesan offices are about compliance only. And yeah. this year especially has really highlighted the good work You know that, that Raleigh was doing, some of our other good friends in this whole region of uh, Catholic education, where it wasn't just about compliance leadership, filling out forms um, in a superintendent office, it was forwarding the mission of the church and really being yeah. that servant leader to move the the ship forward.
0: Can we we talk a little bit about that? Cause I think that's a really interesting phenomenon. And I think Leisha, this might connect with that, that misconception that people have of sort of superintendency being authoritative, very top-down, very similar to sort of the public school district. so how how do both of you in your roles like how do you push people past like a compliance only attitude and whether that's people you know within the chancery or at the schools or in the greater community how do you push past that compliance only mindset
1: I believe that begins with what Greg was talking about earlier having a shared mission and a shared vision if if you're constantly working for the same goal You may take different routes to get there and, you know, every parish has their own personality and their own constituency and may do things in a different way. But if we're all moving toward a shared goal, shared mission and shared vision, that tends to really galvanize people in a collaborative way to be able to push forward and to continue to always be looking for more innovation and and better ways for doing things.
2: Yeah, that's a that's a great point and and piggybacking off of that too what we do is very much about relationship you know we if we do not have the relationships formed with our good pastors with the other diocesan leadership with uh, the vicar general and uh, the bishop and then our school leaders um, and school boards we wouldn't be able to be as effective uh, in that shared mission so a lot of what we tend to do is build those relationships, be out in schools, be visible, get out from behind the desk to show people, again, the shared mission is only possible for working together. And so with the different structures of schools, sometimes all we can do is influence. We cannot necessarily dictate. And so by using data informed decision making, by uh, getting stakeholder input and investment, that's how we're able to to get good work done
0: that's that's fantastic and it's so great to hear you guys talk about mission and vision and relationships because those are folk. those are things that that teachers do on a daily basis those are the things that that school leaders do on a daily, daily basis those are things that people who support catholic education help to support and sustain so i think having a broader vision of the, of the superintendency is so important for folks um and and for, for people that might be listening, sort of maybe discerning, maybe one day like diocesan leadership is is in the books for me. Uh, I'm gonna go a little bit off script here. Can you each share what what does the day look like for a superintendent? Like what is the what does the daily work actually look like? I think we kind of see what that's like for teachers and principals, but you know, what what does the superintendent do all day?
2: I can I can throw out a few things and okay. um Obviously, every diocese, the saying goes, if you've seen one diocese, you've seen one diocese. But but we could summarize and say a lot of what we do is we resource and walk with and serve our school leadership. So sometimes that means responding to uh, challenges that come up. Sometimes that means um, responding to the needs of the bishop and his mission. So we do have a little bit more control over our schedule than our good principal's have oftentimes, um, and that's just because of proximity to uh, to our stakeholder groups of students we ultimately serve. But um, there really isn't a set agenda. We, we still work with the cycles of the school year. We still have set periods of time to, uh, to get certain things in under the gun. Um, but a lot of it is, uh, again, however we can gather that data to be a best service to our school leaders and then find out ways to uh, for that vision from the Bishop and at the school level, um, that really is what dictates our ebb and flow throughout the year. Got it. I,
1: I would agree um, with Greg. I think a lot of being a first year superintendent, a lot of my time was spent visiting schools and really building relationships with principals um, and, and learning pastors and kind of what their vision were for their schools and for their community and really using that information and that data that Greg was talking about um, as one of the things to help drive forward what our shared mission and vision would look like um, over the next several years and into the future. So um, in addition to all the day-to-day phone calls or requests for support or resources and kind of the planning that goes on at the diocesan level. Um, a lot of that really is, has gone into, for me, building those relationships with pastors and principals right. and and our colleagues within our chanceries or, or the Catholic Center. Yeah.
0: And is it fair to say, like, no two days are the same, right? Like, there, there's a lot of variance with how the days look like.
2: I would say that's absolutely the case. I, I one last thing I, I do think it's important to mention too that our job is also, uh, because we have a little bit more over control over our schedule, we can also look at larger trends both within the right. state right. and nationwide. And so that resource be able to share best practices and also interface with the state and provide not just a buffer, but also uh, advocacy for the schools, both in the DASIS and the state level and national level. That often is another thing that uh, that we do on a day-to-day
0: or, or seasonal level. Yeah. You know, one of the things that's interesting, too, about your particular region is you you were both new to the superintendency, new to your dioceses. But as I understand it, um, there was quite a bit of change at the superintendent positions in the other regions in your or the other dioceses in your region. Is that correct?
1: Yes. I... I actually think that all of the superintendents in our province, except for one, we were all new superintendents or, or new to the province.
0: Right, right. So that would include uh, Charleston, which is the state of South Carolina, Atlanta, and I think it was Savannah the only diocese? Um, Yeah. Yeah. So which is it still blows my mind that that so much change happened in the middle of that global pandemic, which is which is which is insane. So you guys are settled in your positions. It's it's almost a 365 day mark. Um, Looking back on sort of your career to this point, can can both of you share what's one thing you miss about a prior job you had? It could be in a different diocese at a different school. it could be a totally different career, but what's one thing you miss from a past job that you had
1: i I miss most being with students on a daily basis yeah the The energy and the vitality of being in a school that's in a faith community is is energizing and um it it just it 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 gives life it fills your cup. Um, yeah. You know, you find different ways to do that, but there is nothing like going into a middle school classroom and seeing kids debate topics, really dig deep and think critically about um, it, you know a, a thing to a story or or some type of mm-hmm. issue that's going on theologically, and like really hear them struggle through and 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 use their prior knowledge. To, to arrive at a solution or or to a position it's it's always exciting to learn from the students and to see their excitement about learning that's awesome that's awesome
2: greg how about you i have to say the same thing yeah. you're working with our students that's the reason we're in catholic education it's to help form students to encounter christ to become intentional disciples of christ and become saints so you know, that ability to see the fruits almost immediately of some of that formation investment. Um, you yeah, that's something that I definitely miss. Uh, but I do think the fact that we, you know, we miss that, uh, those of us that are administrators, it helps remind us on a daily basis that is why we're here. That's who we're supposed to ultimately be serving. Even though we most directly impact and work with principals, that trickles down to our ultimate stakeholders. Which are families and those students. So um, that's why any time we can get out in the schools and work with those uh, those teachers in the classroom, see the kids, hear what's going on, those are those are good days.
0: That's awesome. I uh, I have a question for both of you, and, and I think it's a question that you know, we're going to see quite a bit of superintendent change. I think going into next year as well, and and I would imagine, I, I think because of just where Catholic schools are and where they are headed and where they could be headed, um, that I think this question is going to get asked um, probably a little bit more uh, now than ever. Which is if if the superintendent job does feel kind of distance from what goes on in the classrooms with students and and, and in communities with families. Um, how do we know that superintendents have an impact on students? And I, I think our counterparts in, in public and in other private and maybe even charter schools have sort of wrestled with this question. But as Catholic school superintendents, like how, how do you know that your work at the superintendent level impacts kids? That's a, it's a
2: good question, right? Um, I will say that you know, our job as stewards and promoters of Catholic education um, we can't necessarily see the intangibles that we seek to promote uh, Catholic identity, but we can see the fruits of it um, yeah. through sacramental participation, through vocations that come out of our schools, um, through the excellence that our students pursue, whether that's in academics, higher education, uh, solid careers, families that go on to change the world for the better. So we can see the fruits of that. Um, and you can also see uh, it's, there was a story that came out of Florida of uh, of a school down there where they had I believe twenty two converts to Catholicism were students, and you know those those are the moments we live for. Um, and I would say our our data collection is not strictly just based on grades. It's not based strictly on the best colleges we get into. Those are all good things. Right. All done in service to that greater good of finding salvation. So I think there's a variety of data points we use, both from a secular level, um, but then more importantly, uh, through um, the stories and connectedness of our future church. You know, by seeing the participation of these kids in their parishes and when they come back and our alumni engagement that allows them to share their stories of how the school's Impacted them in a positive way, helped them to live virtuously. I would say that's really how we we gauge our barometer if we're doing what we should be doing through our work and formation with school leaders and teachers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: I think another piece to that, that um, as a Catholic school, uh, as a Catholic superintendent of schools, that we kind of have as an advantage maybe over our public counterparts is that we have the ability to be closer and in communion with communities um, probably a little bit easier than um, other systems do. So mm-hmm. we we are able to be in proximity um, a little bit more to, and to be part of those communities on a more frequent basis as part of the work that we do, um, you know, having the ability to and and the invitation um, quite often to come out and participate within our schools throughout the year is one of the ways that we can help support our principals. And I think along with um, what Greg was saying, the, the support and training that we provide to principals and to our teachers, you know, that directly impacts the instruction that they go back into the classroom right. and are able able to deliver to students. So um, whether that be through um, religious education, sacramental prep or the other content areas and um, infusing our Catholic identity into those across our curriculum, we're impacting our students on a regular basis.
0: No, that's really great. And I think as we look at the the next couple of years, like really sort of the short and the intermediate term of, of Catholic schools going forward, I think rethinking the way in which we measure success in Catholic schools, understanding the ways in which sort of leadership moves the needle on those indicators of success is going to be really, really important. Um, speaking of next year, right, we're at the point where pretty much all of our schools across the nation are wrapping up or have wrapped up. Um, in for the schools that you guys uh, serve and lead, uh, what's one thing you're looking forward to for next year for your schools and for your communities and for the families and kids you serve?
2: Well, I know one thing we're hoping to,
0: to carry forward is
2: some of the fruits that we've gained from this year. We know it's been a difficult year, but one of the fruits that have come out is the recognition that we are in this together. Um, yeah. We have reoriented on the fact that you know, our parents are the first educators of their children and that we have to work even more closely in tandem with them. Um, The only, we were asked multiple times, what was the secret sauce to getting our kids back in this classrooms in person this year? And the secret was really, there was an all in mentality from our faculty and staff to our parents, to our pastors, to our students. And so that community, as Alicia mentioned, that ability to come together, that is going to bear great fruit. I mean, that's, that's one of the, the five important aspects of a, of a Catholic school is being animated by communion and community. That's what allowed us to stay open this past year. And that will, that's what will continue to allow us to thrive moving into the future.
0: I love the reference there to Archbishop Miller's sort of five essential marks of the Catholic school. Good stuff. Alicia, how about you? What's a hope you have for your schools this, this coming year?
1: I am hopeful that um, the things that we learned because of the pandemic, those things influence and make better what we offer to our students in the coming year Um, you know as as i spoke with principals and we had conversations around how school was administered this year being back in person some if they were kind of pushed out of the comfort zone to do some things differently and discover that those things worked better than the way that they'd been doing them so i think there was a lot of learning um, that will be brought forward into the new year Um, And so I think everyone is looking forward to that. I'm also looking forward um, to our diocese just opened uh, our virtual school. And so we are looking forward to serving um, those students who want to continue um, with remote learning in in a virtual um, instructional platform to offer Catholic education to those who um, it may not be accessible to on a, on a regular basis in our brick and mortar. So we're excited about that.
0: That's so fascinating. And we'd love to hear more about that, especially after sort of the first years uh, off the ground, you're able to get students into the virtual school. What I'm hearing so much from your responses is, it's almost like this coming year is is really going to be an opportunity for us to see you know what what is the strength of the mission and vision and the relationships that that are the bedrock of of our dioceses of our systems of schools of our catholic schools in general and and i think that like that openness and that embrace of new things is is a really good barometer of you know how how faithful are we to mission and vision how strong are our relationships if we're willing to do hard and different things um so that's really, really cool. And we you know we absolutely hope to see that kind of growth in, in not only your dioceses, but in all of our dioceses across uh, the country. So uh, as we kind of come to a close here, going back to sort of like things we missed from the classroom, I'm not sure if either of you missed this. I don't think it's something I missed from the classroom, uh, but let's talk about summer homework. And uh, so as we kind of bring our conversation to a close here, I'd love to know, like, what's kind of your summer homework for educators across the nation? Like, what are two things that you want every Catholic school educator to be able to do this summer?
2: Probably rest and take some time with the family. They <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> put in a lot of time this year um, over and above and uh, have really proven how essential they are to the mission, but also how uh, invested they are you know, being that gospel witness of Christ in service to, uh, to our students. So, yeah, hopefully they'll take some time to relax and catch up on some, some needed uh, rest and relaxation. Say so the other thing is uh, they spent some time just praying, spending time uh, reading up on their mission as a Catholic educator. You know, across the U.S., um, we've really been countercultural in forwarding the needs of our students uh, this past year. And um, there are great documents out there Declaration of Christian Education from 65, Evangelization in the Modern World, you know, Pope uh, the, Paul the Sixth, and you know, then you've got um, the Catholics who are on the threshold of the third millennium. They, the, all those important church documents talk about the Christian witness and importance of our educators in the classroom. Uh, we have changed some of our contract language this year to reflect that, and, and we call our teachers now teacher ministers. Because it doesn't matter what subject they teach. It doesn't matter what their role is in the school. They all bring Christ to their students. And so we hope they can further dive into that mentality and that witness. But again, uh, have some time off to enjoy time with families,
0: what we're hoping for. That's fantastic. So two pieces of homework from Dr. Monroe rest. And read up on church docs. I love it. That's fantastic. <laughs> Alicia, how about you? Two pieces of uh, two things you want every Catholic school educator to do this summer.
1: Sure. So at the very beginning of the year, our bishop, Bishop Zarama, challenged um, our principals and um, our pastors to really structure the school day to allow our faculty staff and our parents to spend quality family time at home so be out of the building don't schedule things you know into the evening and after school and really um learn from the lessons of being in the in the pandemic and and really being able to experience family so you know i think sometimes our, our um our tendency during the summer is to catch up on all of the things that we might not have done during the year right. as, yeah. as educators. And so, um, again, the challenge is to really, you know, take this time to rejuvenate, to refill your cup and to spend time with your family. Um, and I think um Uh, It it is another opportunity for us to connect with God through everything that is around us through, through really being observant of what we should be grateful for as we've come through this year of challenges and obstacles. I think taking the time to look around you and be grateful to God for what he's given to all of us and to you and to your family um, is a good way to spend your time.
0: That's awesome. I think these are great, great things for educators to do. Um, Real quick, as we wrap up, um, any sort of last words or remarks from either one of you? Uh, Greg, do you want to start? Sure. I just being new to this diocese,
2: um, I've just been so pleased and so, so honored to, uh, to serve in this capacity. We have wonderful educators across the state, and it's been so edifying to see the good work. That our schools have been able to accomplish we have wonderful teachers and leaders um, both the raleigh diocese and charlotte diocese are just wonderful places that are moving from this idea of mission diocese to destination diocese we've seen so many people come because of how vibrant the church is here that's a testament to the great people we have on the ground that's a testament to Leisha and her leadership so uh so i'm excited to enter a second year here uh during a a normal year, as it were.
0: So, thank you so much for for the time today. Awesome, awesome, Leisha, Any last words or remarks?
1: I, I too, as as kind of keeping in vain with really being, you know, being paying attention to what you should be grateful for. I'm just very grateful for everyone within our diocese, to Greg and and his support as we, you know, work through issues together, as well as um, the other superintendents in the province who shared their experiences and wisdom as we were all trying to kind of make it through this this last school year. Um, I'm very appreciative of how hard our teachers and principals our pastors and the staff within our schools worked and how how gracious and compassionate our parents were in dealing with lots of changes to their families and um, with their children and entrusting them to us throughout, throughout this school year um, is really a testament to the strength of Catholic education and Everything that we have to offer with regards to our faith, education and um, support for the whole child. So I'm excited to be returning for year two.
0: That's awesome. And we're so blessed to have both of you as diocesan leaders. And, you know, we talk about this idea of stewardship often in in, in the church and in Catholic schools. And we define stewardship as returning with increase. And I think in your words and your actions and your witness to superintendent leadership, you know, I think you both of you really embody that spirit of stewardship in the work that you do. So, uh, Greg Leisha, thank you so much for joining us this week. Thank you. It's been a pleasure.
1: Thank you for having us.
0: All right. Uh, so uh, thanks for listening to this week's episode of the NCEA podcast. Uh, As a reminder, if you're not already subscribed, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you can see all of our past episodes and get notifications uh, every week when we publish a new episode of the NCEA podcast where we interview thought leaders and influencers and decision makers in Catholic schools and Catholic education. This is John Reyes, the Executive Director of Operational Vitality for NCEA signing off. Thank you so much for joining us joining us. We'll catch you next week.